You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Erik Fjellborg, the CEO and founder at Quinix. Selling a company, a journey, a story to a senior hire is the same as you sell it to an investor. Welcome to a new episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. And Daniel, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling great. I'm actually feeling awesome. You had a fever, Daniel, this morning. Well, you know, it feels like nothing can stop me. If you look at me, excuse my language, I look like shit. I haven't (laughs) shaved. I haven't uh, combed my hair in a long time. But I feel great about some of the things that we're working on here and how it's all coming together. So really awesome actually feeling right now. How about you? Yeah, I'm actually sleeping at the computer and I don't remember when I took a shower <laughs> last, but uh, who cares? Uh, you, your family cares, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, when they see me, which is not that often perhaps. But uh, this day, uh, where when we release this, it will be Friday the 8th of April. And it's a special day because it's the last day where you can buy your tickets for SASIS 2022. It is, it is indeed. And I think... Uh, it's really been an amazing journey how how it all like there's a little bit of a FOMO effect everybody that's in the industry wants to be part of this and I, I think we even had an incident where we shocked our the venue the, the organizers of the venue here yeah we, we had a tough call with the venue yesterday night when they said that they can only feed 650 people and right now we are almost 850 and we are we're gonna be more than 900 I think when the day ends tomorrow but um you can be calm, you're going to get food, so it's all sorted out, and uh, yeah, feels great. I think that's a little bit our thing, like, you know, like, we'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's 13 days left before the event when we record this, and uh, it's going to be amazing. We have more than 60 speakers. It's two full days. It's going to be a lot of learning uh, opportunities, but also many different ways of get to know each other everything from the pre-events where we have the paddle tournament uh, to the post events where we end off with a poker tournament with us and nathan latka and some other personalities within the nordic sas community as well and another thing that we just launched was the networking at Brella as well so you can go in and network and matchmake and book meetings already now if you if you have signed up for for Brella. and if you haven't got it yet you will get it in the weekend if you just bought your ticket yeah, it's, it's, it's all coming together and uh, we're also in the Brella app. So if you want to hang out with us, if, if you think we have anything to contribute, please do connect there as well. Absolutely. But we want to offer you something special today because we have an episode we recorded a while ago with one of the greatest SaaS companies, I think, in the Nordics. It's, it's a great success story all from the very first humble beginnings with a young man that got an idea uh, when he had a summer job. And uh, well, let's listen to it. Let's do it. So today we are very happy to have Erik Fjellborg, the founder and CEO at Quinix here as a guest in the SaaS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Erik. Thank you. Great to be here. Welcome. It's, it's really great to have you here. And, and we had the opportunity to chit chat with you just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, you're rather a celebrity, if I may say it, uh, in our space here in the Nordics. But for the people that might not know you, that haven't bumped into you and are listening to this podcast, can you give us the brief story? Who is, who is Erik? Um, I'm Eric. I, um, I'm from Odebru originally, and uh, today I'm the CEO and founder of uh, Quinix. And uh, Quinix is a AI-powered workforce management solution 
that we sell into mid-market and large companies around around the world. And uh, very passionate about Quinix, very passionate about SaaS. And uh, I've spent many years building Quinix, but still very excited about uh, what the future will bring. Was it a dream for you when you were jungle to, to start your own company? Uh, no, not specifically. Uh, I uh, I didn't really have that on my on my radar, but uh, I then had the opportunity to uh, run a ung UBF for a tag, young enterprise company <laughs> in high school, which is a program that uh, introduces students to entrepreneurship. So um, I was lucky being introduced to entrepreneurship early. Okay, so what was your business idea then? Uh, no, it was actually around uh, around scheduling and 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 the Quinix idea, and uh, so that's uh, that's how we started. Right, and and your journey started the right way, just like it should start, because you had an issue of, of your own, a problem that was bothering you and your colleagues, and then you felt like, God damn it, excuse my language, I got to do something about it. Tell us a little bit about that story. No, definitely. So I uh, I had a summer job at uh, McDonald's back home in Odebru, and. Uh, Uh, that was a learning experience from from many different perspectives, but um, I also saw the challenges uh, with workforce management and labor scheduling firsthand, and uh, the the time and the effort my restaurant manager, uh, you know, spent to uh, create the schedule, maintain the schedule, and so forth. And um, back then, everything was on prem, uh, pen and paper, and um, I saw an opportunity to build a web application where the employees themselves would be able to actually book shifts, bid for shifts, swap shift, and so forth. Um, so the first version of Quinic was a very simple uh, interface for employees to their work schedules, and McDonald's became uh, the first customer. And they were open to trying this you know, tool that uh, a young student put together? How did you sell it the first time? Yeah, I remember that very clearly. So I, I picked up the, the phone and called the, the franchisee, the McDonald's franchisee in Odebru, Uh, and uh, and I was lucky because um, he was quite excited about the idea. Number one, number two, he had the faith in actually giving a an eighteen year old uh, access to his restaurants and uh, pilot this type of solution. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm very grateful for that uh, today. And um, so we could start with you know the the four the four restaurants in in Urubu as our. Uh, let's say pilots, and uh, and from there expand to all the twelve thousand employees in uh, within McDonald's. Sweden. So, did you charge for this from the very beginning, or like you know, I know like a lot of founders feel like, how the heck do I charge for something when it's untested? Yeah, I think I charged two hundred krona per restaurant per month initially. That was that was the first price, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and did you get free food on top of that? Or? Definitely, definitely. But uh, uh, no, it was. Uh, it's funny when I look back because this is this is kind of before SaaS even uh, was an established term, and uh, and I but I still thought it made sense to to actually charge as a subscription. So Quinix actually been charging the subscription model from day one, and that's been such a huge benefit. We've never had to recraft a, a license model to SaaS and so forth. We've been been uh, cloud native and uh, SaaS business model from day one. All right, that's awesome, and. Like you, you touched upon it a little bit, but you know, can can you give us you know uh, the details about who Quinix is today? I know how your journey started within the the restaurant and hospitality business, but I, I know it's evolved since then. Yeah, definitely. So um, we ventured into um, additional industry verticals along the way, into retail, into healthcare, into warehouse logistics, facility management, and the other industries that are typically employing hourly workers and, and frontline workers, and that's where Quinix is is best. Uh, 
to to help uh, when you have a dynamic workforce that that needs a robust scheduling system to create and follow up on on work schedules and time worked. So uh, um, you know, Quinix today we have close to one million employees uh, on our platform. Wow. Uh, we have uh, our our own offices in uh, nine countries, primarily in Northern Europe, uh, US, and Australia, and. Uh, the Quinix product in itself is used in more than 40 countries around the world because we engage with many global brands that roll out uh, the solution in, uh, in, in older countries. Okay, that's amazing. And uh, what, what size should a company be to you know, be a good fit for Quinix? I mean, typically we would target companies with more than 500 employees and upwards, and our largest accounts would have upwards of 100,000 employees. And uh, let's say that the average and the sweet spot would be between five to 10,000 employees. All right. Okay. And I guess you have uh, had a journey there as well, where you have moved up uh, sort of from from maybe a small medium up to these enterprise deals? Definitely. Definitely. Mm, Cool. Let's dig into some of the numbers just to put perspective on your journey and your success. So can you tell us a little bit how big is your ARR? How fast are you guys growing year over year, the size of of the company in terms of employees and so on? Sure. So we're uh, 35 million US in uh, ARR, growing uh, currently at around 50% uh, year over year. And uh, the Quinix team is around 350 employees. Right. And are, are there any markets for you that are predominantly interesting? I know you have obviously global presence, but like, where's your big bet now? Uh, the biggest workforce management market in the world is not a, not a surprise, I guess, but it's the US uh, that represents a, a, a very big part of the global market. So US uh, and Dach region, so uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland uh, are the, the biggest opportunities for our future growth. And how have you funded this operation? I mean, Going back to the early days uh, up until now, now we've been, I think, relatively, uh, you know, bootstrapped uh, up until uh, up until our Series A, which was our first big fundraise in two thousand and uh, and fourteen, uh, and uh, uh, so you know, we we have raised capital for sure, but the bigger amounts of capital we've raised has has been uh, in the later years of of, of the company's uh, growth. Right, right, and there was recently a, a rather big round. Uh, seen in, in Nordic standards uh, for you guys. So, well, what is that money going to be used for? Yeah, so we raised uh, 50 million US uh, at uh, 550 pre money now back in uh, in November, uh, uh, and uh, that money is um, uh, it's going to be spent on two things. So, continue ramping up our international expansion, and secondly, to on innovation and uh, primarily to continue to innovate within the area of artificial intelligence and employee engagement. Okay, and. Um, uh, you know, 50 million will, will is a big amount for, for Quinix because we haven't had that, uh, you know, much of a burn rate. So it um, gives us a great opportunity to invest in, in, in expansion, which is really exciting. All right. But uh, how much of the company do you own nowadays? Around uh, 15%. Okay, yeah. That's fantastic, and thanks for sharing those numbers. I, I think you guys are an amazing trajectory. One of the things that we're curious about is that somewhere on this journey, you must have had a tipping point where you felt like, I'm on to something big. I have McDonald's. I'm going to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> what was that tipping point? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I, I I think the real tipping point for for many Nordic companies is when you get the first couple of big deals uh, internationally, so outside outside the Nordics, and uh, and for us that happened in in, in the UK, uh, and you're seeing how 
how well the product was received in the UK market. And um, the UK market, as you know, is an interesting one because you compete with both, you know, all the Europeans, but also the American competitors. So um, right. seeing traction in the UK was, I think, a big milestone for the business. And uh, and we felt that, you know, we, we, we have we have an offering here that is relevant on uh, on the global arena. Yeah, and when in time was this from from when you started the business? Uh, if I remember correctly, we set up our own presence in the UK in two thousand around two thousand fourteen. Gotcha, gotcha, and and that's a little bit what we're going to talk about here today as well. Like you guys have been super successful in winning big, large enterprise deals, you know, from the Nordic, so to say, all over the world. So one of the things that we were curious about is like, how did you guys? Um, engineer that process like well is there a secret there yeah i i think it's um it's it's a process getting to closing the larger enterprise deals you can't do it from day one so we built up you know happy uh great uh, customer reference in the mid-market over many years which has allowed us to uh grow the customer size now in the more recent years and um um but it's super exciting to see. I mean, a lot of the growth driving Quinnix today are these enterprise deals, and we closed a number of them, uh, you know, during last year. And I think there's um, there's a couple of things you need to get right to uh, to close the really uh, big deals. And and of course, it's, you know, the sales process, the sales cycle, the sales cycle is longer. The sales process is more complex. You touch many more uh, sponsors and um, and uh, buying personas at the customer's organization. So you need a sales organization on your side that can really navigate uh, such environments. And, um, and then you need, you know, you need your ISO certification, you need uh, security, uh, you need uh, all these rights and access in the application and, and um, the features that the enterprise require, of course. Right. And then secondly, uh, you know, Oh, signing the deal is is not even halfway there in in our business, right? And you have to implement it. You need to have a a project team and with the implementation consultants that can manage these type of organizations. Because rolling out Quinix uh, for forty or fifty thousand users, it is a very long. It's a you know sometimes a one year plus project. Um, so that side of the organization needs to be prepared as well uh, in in doing these larger deals. But uh, it's a lot of work. A lot of things to get right, but I still recommend it because it's uh, it's exciting. It um, it's not only in terms of numbers and growth, but also secondly, it's going to help your business to uh, become international because many of the companies at at this size will bring you into multiple countries or multiple continents, um, and uh, that will give you a foothold in many new markets, which um, which is also um, you know a, a good thing for most companies. Right. Right, and to some extent, it's it's a lot easier to sell to somebody you've already sold to, and if, if you have that success story, th- they might push this down to a sister company or to to whatever it is, somebody within the group. Absolutely, and that's um, we have so many success stories at Quinix with customers where we've started in one country, and then we've added countries every year, added users, added modules. So the the upsell journey with these type of accounts can be uh, can be amazing, and uh, it's also why. Quinix and, and similar companies show a, a outstanding net, re- net retention rates. Okay. So do you sell direct or do you also sell through channels? Uh, most of it is direct. Around 30% of our bookings are partner touched. And uh, what that means is that we have received uh, a, a lead, an introduction, or we're co-bidding together with a partner uh, in, a, in a certain deal. But even if it's partner touched, our direct sales organization is um, still kind of driving the deals. 
but we, we also have a, a channel organization that drives the more the more channel, but that that is it's growing, but it's not a substantial part of bookings yet. Okay, so do you have implementation partners, or do you do most of the implementations yourself? Uh, we ha- we have yes, yeah, so implementation partners. We have it's a very important part of our delivery, and uh, uh, a big portion of our projects are run by by partners. So that's been uh, essential. Okay, awesome. I want to come back a little bit this, to this uh, the, the enterprise sales, and uh, Thomas and I have had the opportunity to to bump into some of your other colleagues in in our other forums, and we've understood that you guys are really strong. You know, obviously you have a very structured process with medic in place for the sales team and the go to market team, and then we our understanding is that you're very strong on the ABM side. It's very targeted accounts. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process? Uh, sure. So. Um, I think you realize, you know, we realized that a couple of years back that, you know, a good thing running, running a, a company selling workforce management is that our market is actually, it's a niche market. It's, it's uh, 5 billion US uh, globally. Uh, and uh, if you go and look at a country like Sweden or even, you know, Germany, the UK, it, it's, it's, um, it's a limited amount of companies that we want to sell to because we're going for the slightly larger account. You, you can look at the top. 100 retailers in in germany for example and like you know these are the guys we want to go for and i think that's a that's a great realization as a business because it means that you know you don't have to do advertisement that touches everyone in germany you don't have to do marketing that touches all the companies in germany we can go for our verticals our accounts uh where it matters and um our marketing efforts are laser focused going for our top target accounts and and very much um, account based all right and I mean, you have had a tremendous growth organically, but I also know that you have worked with acquisitions and so on. So could you tell us a little bit about that strategy and how that falls into uh, the strategy with going global? Of course. So um, we've been, our M&A strategy has been primarily around finding exciting businesses that can bring uh, product capabilities to our suite. And um, uh uh, and then, of course, you know, also adding a great team, relevant customers, and so forth. And um, uh, one acquisition that we did uh, a bit more than a year ago of a, um, a company with presence in the Netherlands, Australia, and uh, the US, it's named uh, w- Widget Brain, uh, was you know, such an excellent match uh, for, for Quinix. And um, uh, they're specialists in artificial intelligence algorithms for. Uh, scheduling and workforce management, and uh, was you know really easy to to uh, to bolt into the Quinix suite, and we also added fifty great colleagues to uh, to the team, relevant customers, and uh, it has really helped accelerate our uh, our, our journey. Um, so these are the type of acquisitions that we we look for also moving forward. Yeah, I mean it, it's always a challenge when you buy new technology to you know integrate that in a good way in your product. So, what was it specifically in this case that that made it you know a good fit and that you could you know in a good way make this a part of your offering? Yeah, no, this one was I think uniquely easy because they are focused on algorithms, which is only on the backend side that then connect to our APIs seamlessly. So we didn't have to port that much uh, you know in- interfaces or guis and stuff like that so, so so i think this one was um uh you know very easy to integrate from from that perspective they were running on aws infrastructure similar to quinix and uh the cultural match was was great as well um mm-hmm. so um it, qu- quite quite unique uh, and and then of course the focus um uh area of workforce management that they do is also a great match 
All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm also curious a little bit on this. Is like it's obviously getting the the technology to to play along is is such a super important aspect. But when when you acquire some somebody and suddenly you get another fifty colleagues here and another hundred colleagues there, how does this affect the culture? Or or let me rephrase that: How do you make sure that everybody fits into the same culture? Yeah, I, I think it starts with you know trying to acquire a team that has at least a couple of cultural traits that are similar to. Uh, your company mm -hmm. and then secondly to work very actively of uh, getting the two organizations together and uh, when we made the widget brain acquisition i mean that was in the middle of covid uh, lockdowns and and so no travel uh, no meetings and uh, you know we're obviously still to some extent in that situation so uh, so that that's been i think adding uh, challenges to it because we haven't been able to put everyone in the same room right uh, but we've been working act actively with online meetings and um, these type of interactions um, but uh, i think you have to work actively on it get people together and uh, also uh, bring people from the various organizations into um, uh, to to blend uh, with each other from an from an organizational perspective, and just to mention one example, the CTO from uh, WidgetBrain is today the CTO for the Quinix Group and uh, has been promoted into running uh, tech for all of Quinix. And I think that's been an excellent way for us to um, to get the two organizations um, uh, close very quickly. All right, and I don't know if it was in this case or if it was another acquisition, but you had a program like a hundred day program to uh, to incorporate the other company D definitely definitely and and that's uh, something i believe strongly you have a, a huge opportunity the first 100 days to get a lot of things done you know both organizations are excited they're ready to to execute so you have to take that opportunity have a very clear project plan and execute these first 100 days so for us it was you know you have this main project plan uh, what are you going to get done and then it, you know you have a work stream for finance a work stream for sales one for r&d product and so forth and then each uh, team is executing on their 100 day plan and uh, um, so if you do it right you have a lot of good stuff done already in the first 100 days are you part of a distributed team do you struggle your day through scheduled video meetings and chats teamico makes virtual work spontaneous talk walkie-talkie style, co-work side-by-side with or without video, and bring those coffee chats back. Join our users across 117 countries for free today on teamico.com. That is T-E-E-M-Y-C-O. Teamico, your office online. So, you know, clearly you, you have done this a couple of times now, uh, acquiring companies and, and making the technology play along and the cultures and people getting integrated. Was there something in this process of acquiring somebody and getting this to work that surprised you or, or you didn't see coming from the very beginning? Um, I, I think in the in the widget brain case, uh, most uh, most things actually developed more more positively than, than expected, which is... Uh, which is great to to see, but I, I think I think communication uh, over communication uh, to to the teams are are you know even if we spent a lot of time on it, it's just something you have to in, in invest a lot in. And um, I think uh, maybe the surprise is that just if, if you have the right people on 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 the team uh, and you give them freedom, you give them the right framework, but enough freedom, they will solve a lot of these integration challenges themselves. Okay. So if, if you're, if anybody's listening here and they're, they're doing, they have an M&A strategy, it's like, it's about 
clear communication, tight communication, make sure you, you, you do as much as you can within the first 100 days and give people the responsibility and the freedom to get this done. Yeah, and buy the right company. That's, that's the most <laughs> yeah, and, and about that, <laughs> I, I know that this company you bought, they, they, they were into AI and such. So what's the role of AI in Quinix today and how do you leverage it? No, it's uh, tremendously important uh, in the Quinix product suite today. It's integrated in, in uh, all of our modules and uh, it drives what we call auto-scheduling, uh, auto-assign, demand forecasting. And these are, you know, quite, quite um, might not be clear words of what it really is, but imagine you have one button in Quinix where you click and then the application automatically creates the schedule, puts the right people in place by using you know, millions of data sets looking back years and years, uh, drawing conclusions of that specific business, taking other data points in and um, and then creating the best schedule with, with you know, um, 99% plus accuracy. Okay. And that type of automation is the future uh, of workforce management. People are not uh, going to sit and do manual schedules 10 years from now. And uh, Quinix is leading that uh, development currently. And uh, the, the widget brain technology is... Um, has, has been the basis for, for this innovation. And uh, that's exciting with Quinix today because a lot of companies talk about AI, talk about machine learning, uh, but it's use cases that are sometimes, you know, very, very exciting and so forth. But, but the cool thing with Quinix is that this is used. It's used today to schedule tens of thousands of people. It's impacting tens of thousands of people already today, uh, you know, with these algorithms. So it's, it's, it's an AI use case that is... Um, already uh, deployed uh, widely and creating a lot of value for our customers. So it sounds to me that this button should be the ultimate hallelujah moment when you show your product or, or you know, when you launch this. How did it, you know, somewhere along the journey, you added that button and you had one customer press that button. So, I mean, what, what happened? What kind of reactions have, have you got from your customers? Uh, it's it's uh, just as you um, as you say it's um it's it's a uh, it's a moment for customers when they realize that this technology is available and uh, the power of it in terms of time saving in terms of increasing the quality of the schedule so it's a big moment it's something we use in uh, all our product demonstrations and uh, uh, you know a, a big event in our implementation projects when you when you are at a stage you can click the button for sure yeah. It's really great when you can have something so simple and so powerful in your presentations and sales and everything. So, that, so that's amazing. So, I mean, all, all this started with you uh, as a young high school guy um, working, had a, had a summer job, found a problem and, you know, had an idea to solve it. And, and I mean, there is probably a lot of young people out there that, that, you know, sees the problem, has an idea, but most of them, they maybe don't act on it or they don't get someone believing in them. Do you have any tips for, for them? No, I, I think, you know, when I, when I look back uh, at um, how I um, saw the problem and the, the, the uh, got the innovation for Quinix, uh, I think I had the opportunity to be out in real life, you know, working for, for, a, for a real company like McDonald's. And I, and I think that's, um, you know, young people, uh, young entrepreneurs should should really go out and meet real companies, uh, whether it's you know manufacturing companies, retail companies, uh, and ask them. You know, what's what's your challenges? What, what do you need technology to um, to do for you? And um, and I, I can assure you, you're going to find a lot of problems that are yet to be solved. And um, 
Mm. I think personally that uh, a lot of innovation to come in the next 10 years will be solutions uh, for for these um, companies that are more, let's say, the traditional industries, because IT technology has been very well deployed and a lot of VC funding has gone into tools for office workers. Uh, but the next the next ten years, uh, we're gonna ha- we have to help the other industries catch up as well and get great technology. And um, so, so look at these industries. There's a, a ton of work to be done. Find your uh, find your problem, find your your business idea, and then stay focused. And uh, don't be afraid to focus on a, on a smaller niche. I think that can be a great advantage. Uh, and uh, it's good to be a, a big a big fish in a small pond. Uh, and that's um, that's pretty much what we've done with with Quinix. And another thing that I think is so exciting with this journey is, I mean, you have taken it from the start and you have run this company and built now one of Sweden's largest SaaS companies and you're still the CEO. I mean, you could think that somewhere along this journey, it's quite common that when, you know, the VCs comes in, they shift the management and all of this, but you have stayed on top, so what's the secret there? Or do you have any, any advice for, for the founders that you know still want to run the company? What, what have you done in, in order to you know, prevail? Yeah, great question. I, I think as a young entrepreneur, you have to you just have to ensure that you have an environment where you can learn uh, quickly. And, and the, 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 one of the ways to do that is to make sure you employ experienced people in your team. And uh, I was lucky to get that advice early on and uh, been building a leadership team uh, in general at Quinix that have a lot more experience than I have. And in doing that, I've been able to develop each and every year running Quinix, getting more insights in how to run a company and so forth. Um, so I think that's been absolutely essential. And, and uh, uh, you know, it, when you're a young entrepreneur, you, you don't know how to run a company. You might be very passionate about your innovation about the product you're building but you don't know how to run operations but there's a lot of people uh who knows how to how to run and scale operations so bring a couple of these into your business right and i think that's a that's a very interesting aspect because there's another side of this coin like i might have the best idea on the planet but how do i get for people to believe in me i think you you must have crossed that bridge there like you you attracted them they i'm guessing a lot of them joined you and not Quinix. Like, what's the secret there? I, I think um, selling a company, a journey, a story to a senior hire is is the same as you sell it to an investor uh, or to a customer. Uh, and uh, it's all about painting painting the long term plan, mm-hmm. and of course, focusing on you know uh, what role will this senior hire play in your company, and uh, and and try to. Um, Try to understand what's important for for that specific person, and um, and then sell sell the long term vision. Yeah, and you guys have definitely been building for for the future and for for the long term here. So, what what does the future hold for you guys in the next three to five years? It's going to be a an exciting couple of years for for Quinix. We've just made our fundraise, and uh, we're gonna gonna continue to invest in international expansion. Continue to uh, building the leading uh, workforce management company, uh, and. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, um, the key themes of our expansion will be uh, North America, Dach region, you know, other parts of Europe as well, and um, going for even uh, you know larger larger accounts, and then continue to invest in innovation, uh, continue to invest in the platform, in employee engagement, artificial intelligence, 
and uh, building a great product. Okay. And what are you looking for right now? Any specific uh, role or competence or, or something else uh, at Quinix? If you get one wish uh, from the genie. Sure. So, I mean, we're, we're going to hire more than 100 people in the next six months uh, in pretty much all our office locations. Wow. So I, I, think, I think I can say broadly we're looking for, for great talent in uh, multiple different roles. And uh, so if, if, if anyone listening to this wants to join a an international dynamic uh, fast growing company uh you check 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 out our our careers website and uh um there's yeah, there's a multiple very very important roles and uh, i would say especially the uh, the ai developer roles that we have are are super exciting that is really cool so if you're a developer and you know anything about ai you know where to go cool um is there anybody you would like to see on the show that you think has a has an interesting story to tell I think it's um, you know super exciting to follow all the all the SaaS companies around in in, in the Nordics uh, and uh, uh, I would be keen to understand the latest uh, at the SaaS success Fort Knox. So uh, maybe their new CEO Tommy Eklund. Cool. All right. Cool. We'll definitely ping Tommy then. Excellent. Again, Eric, fantastic to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for sharing your story and your experiences. And we're gonna follow Quinix for sure and monitor your success moving forward. Thank you, and uh, great to be a part of your show, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Great, it was our pleasure. Take care now. So, Daniel, what was your takeaway from uh, from this episode? There, there's definitely a few things that, that uh, I take away here, but I, I think one thing that I always love to hear is when founders, they have a problem themselves. Yeah. And, and that's the starting point of, of their journey. And then I, listening to Eric here and the opportunities we've had to chat with him before, it, it really like makes me feel that if you have a strong vision and a grand plan and then the ability to execute and you stick to those three guns and you just run with that, then 10 years later, 15 years later, you're going to have the success he had. It, it's, it's, it's really a long-term game and plan here so it was it was really nice to hear his story because it was not a success overnight this took some time to build and you know more power to him for his patience and, and tenacity in building this really yeah definitely yeah is, is there anything that on, on your end that you feel stood out yeah a few things i mean i like what you said of you know the benefits of being a big fish in a small pond and uh, and also the opportunities that are within the industrial space moving forward there is a lot of problems uh, that is waiting to be solved uh, by someone one important thing for him was that he managed to hire senior people or, or people with high seniority and uh, that he had to approach that in the same way as he would sell the company and the vision to an investor or, or someone else and uh, i think that was interesting as well his approach to that so that is something that i will take with me yeah, and that is so true. Like, if, if you look at Eric and if you look at many other founders that, you know, when they've had the success and they interview people around them, they go like, I didn't join company X. I, I joined the person or the founder. They believed in their story. So that's so true. Yeah. And everyone should try to find that hallelujah button to have in their uh, <laughs> software as well. <laughs> Good. But uh, I think we are done for today. Uh, just again, if you haven't checked out the CSS 2022, I encourage you to do so. Uh, it's on celsius2022.com and read about the event. And um, well, don't think about it because it's the last day to buy your tickets. It is. See you at Celsius. Take care now. Mm-hmm.